Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Morning Devotion. This is a pivotal day. Thank you that normally tune in Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. For giving me leeway yesterday and today to address the most pressing need of the moment. It's Tuesday, November the 3rd, the year of 2020. And as you can see on the banner below, this is a day of prayer and fasting. This is election day in America. Lines have already formed at polling places across the country all through the day and night. People will be voting. We will too. We will also be fasting and praying. For this is no ordinary day and this is no ordinary election. This is not a contest between individuals or one party or another. This is a contest for the soul of America and for future generations and for the people that we can reach overseas. The choice is whether American believers will have the opportunity to stand up, not only within the four walls of a sanctuary, but in the public sphere. Can we stand up for our faith? Or will we too be canceled, canceled by opponents who only only want us to worship and lift up the name of God in the confines of privacy? Will we be canceled by a party that mentions God only once in their platform? Will we have the opportunity to raise our children according to the word of God? Or must, must we adopt the zetgeist, the spirit of the age, the secular mindset that says, you will believe what I tell you to believe, and you will march according to the tune of whatever Pied Piper is playing at the moment. Must we go along with the secular who say that gender is chosen, the unborn don't matter, and marriage is whatever people choose to make it? What will we do? What will we do, believers? You see, I'm not voting for me. I'm not voting for them. I'm voting for the ones who came before me. I'm voting for the ones who are alive and ineligible to vote. I'm voting for the children and the generations to come. I speak for myself, not an organization, no one else, but for myself. But I believe that I speak for many, many people who have just long ago said, I don't know if there's any hope. I have no idea. I ask you to share this. I have no idea how long it will be permitted to stay up. We're in a cancel culture. But share. Get the word out. Wake up the world and wake up your prayers. Push away. Push away from the table today. Push away from your routines and your plans and find a place to sigh and to cry over our nation. Plead with God and say one more time, God. Just one more time, would you bless America again? It was 400 years ago, in fact, 400 years ago, one week from today, that the Mayflower landed on Plymouth Rock. Half of the passengers on board were separatists, meaning that they were the saints. They came to this new world for a single reason, that they could worship according to their own consciences, and they could lift up their voices and worship in freedom. For 400 years, more or less, we've had that freedom. 
but that religious freedom is under attack. I'm not overstating this. There is a coiling of the enemy against our freedom to worship, our freedom to live our convictions, our freedom to stand up to the tyranny of evil and wickedness. Where are you, American believers? Are you still standing? Those people on the Mayflower risk their lives for freedom to worship. Can we risk a little opposition to vote for religious freedom? Why not vote for those saints who said we will find a place that the next generation can worship freely? Can we afford to be like those proverbial frogs in a kettle of water? And as the water is heated up, they slowly lose their lives. But because it happens incrementally and gradually, they don't realize what's happening until, should they ever recognize it, it's too late. If there is any life left in you, believer, wake up and stir yourself in this day and age. It was five years ago that the marriage covenant instituted by God in the Garden of Eden between a man and woman has pridefully been changed by an American court under extreme pressure of the left. One political candidate for president who was vice president in 2012 was pushing for that change. One candidate for president is not pushing for that change. Do you remember Kim Davis, that Kentucky clerk who refused to issue a marriage license to a same-sex couple, that apostolic woman who stood up for her convictions, that apostolic woman that went to jail for her convictions She is now being sued by those couples. The Supreme Court recently turned down her request to set aside those lawsuits. And two of the justices wrote that those who sincerely hold religious beliefs concerning marriage will find it increasingly difficult to participate in society. Did you hear what they had to say? Where is the church? Are you hiding or are you standing? We're not advocating riots. We're not advocating destruction. We're not advocating hurting people. Uh, but you have a voice and you need to use that voice. I'm voting for Kim Davis. I'm voting for a Colorado Baker. I'm voting for Christian adoption agencies and charities. I'm voting for them. I'm voting for the next generation. The second area under attack, first is marriage, second is gender confusion. This year, the Supreme Court held that Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which prohibits discrimination of sex for hiring purposes, can now be stretched to mean sexual orientation and gender identity. Title VII applies to all employers, small business, big business, church, schools. The litigation has already begun to force churches to overlook their beliefs in favor of the majority opinion on a court. So far, the First Amendment and a bill passed under Bill Clinton uh, has protected churches. But what we have witnessed is that in this republic, it can only stand so long as we keep it. This country can only function when morality is at its core. It was John Adams, the second president of the United States. He wrote in 1798, We have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality or religion. Our Constitution, Adams wrote, was made only for a religious and moral people. 
It is wholly inadequate for the government of any other. We have witnessed the plummet of morality in America. We have witnessed the decline of faith. At the time when the churches in America were at their weakest, we now face the strongest challenge to the welfare of our nations. Believers, we can't compartmentalize church, state, economy into separate spheres. No, Christianity is the foundation of this country, and without it, there is no social advancement. There is no constitution. There is no well-being. I'm voting for the word of God. I'm not voting for me. I'm voting for the separation of not church and state, but the separation between male and female, right and wrong, between light and darkness. The third area of contention is the economy. Socialism is on the rise. So it's being touted as a democratic socialism, not authoritarian socialism. The latter we simply call communism. Two days ago, under a discussion of equity and equality, one of the vice presidential candidates said the goal is for everyone to end up at the same place. That is communism. You see, in the Bible, we find that men and women work and they derive a livelihood from the fruit of their labors. Those who sow much, it's the law of the harvest, will reap much. Those who sow little will reap little. To say it doesn't matter how much or how little you sow. Everything should end up at the same place is to put it very kindly, socialism, it is more communism than anything. It violates the word of God. Everybody in the word of God should have an equal chance, but everyone does not deserve an equal outcome according to the word of God. What you sow, you reap. It's not simply a matter of mammon. That would be one thing, but it isn't. Oppression and communism go hand hand in hand, who gets to define what is equitable. It's those in power. You can believe me if you want, but right now there are powers already carving up the pie. There are plan- they are planning who gets this job, that's job, who gets this piece of the pie. Understand when socialism wins, your piece of the pie is about to get very small. Davos, Switzerland in January 2021, they're all coming together. All the high and the mighty and the power brokers of the world are coming together for what they are calling the great reset. They're going to reset the world economy. Without a powerful America, what do you think that economy is going to look like? Uh, Furthermore, if you search long and hard, you will search long and hard to find a great revival happening in a communist country. And if you do find it, you're going to discover this. It's going to come at a great price. Extreme religious persecution, even execution, tyranny coming from the left. Wake up, America. Are you still standing, believers? I'm standing. What about you? Uh, I'm voting for the people overseas who have not yet heard the gospel. I'm voting for the freedom to send missionaries and dollars to distant countries. I'm voting for the inner cities who need the light of the gospel. I'm voting for the thousand and one Christian organizations who help people that are flat on their back. Uh, The fourth area of concern is Israel. 
This administration has done what none other had the courage to do, to declare Jerusalem the capital of Israel and to put our diplomatic initiatives there. Of late, several countries in the last few weeks have formed peace alliances with Israel. Do you know how earth-shattering that is? Because in the Bible, those who bless Israel, they are noted by God. We have stood with that tiny nation. America has backed down the bullies. Where would Israel be without America? I'll tell you where it will be, in the hands of Gog and Magog. That's where we're entering those days. Those days we were warned about. These days are those days. Uh, and it's coming so very, very quickly. This is a day when our backbones need to become like steel, but our hearts should remain as soft as velvet. We need it because this is a day like no other We've got to stand. Speaking of America, I'm often asked a question, Brother Gurley, where do you think America is in prophecy? Tim LaHaye used to say that one of the hardest things for Americans to grasp is that the United States is not clearly mentioned in Bible prophecy. Oh, some see America aligned with the nations in Battle of Gog and Magog, Ezekiel 38. Some say that the merchants of Tarsus and the nations and the lions, cubs and eagles, I don't know. But the only conclusion I can draw from the absence of the mention of the world's only great superpower is that America will no longer be a factor in that great war to come. That somehow America will be so compromised, weakened, taken off the board like a chess piece, removed from the game, seated on the sidelines. Why? Well, for one reason, I believe the rapture is going to have a lot to do with that. But I also believe that America has begun to deteriorate from within how she needs the salt of the earth, how she needs the light of the world, how she needs the church to stand up. I know Jesus is coming. I recognize that Antichrist is in the wings. And I understand that nationalistic pride, we feel something exceptional about this nation. We're proud to be an Americans. And I realize, I realize, though, that the dream of our forefathers 400 years ago, who came to this nation to worship freely, now nearly exactly four centuries later today, that right to worship in liberty is under attack. And without a strong foundation, this church, this country cannot survive. I see a window closing for America. I see the curtain falling on this world. I'm going to say more about that in future days in devotion. I sense that we are at the end of the end of it all. And the future for America grows increasingly cloudy. Yesterday in prayer, my wife just, my wife said, Ken, I can't believe it happened so fast. It caught us so unawares. And I pray that we're not too late. I'm praying for one last moment, folks. I'm praying for one last moment that the church is standing. A golden hour at sunset, one grace-filled, Holy Ghost anointed season where everything that can be shaken is shaken and everyone who can be awakened are awakened. Are you with me? Are you still standing? I need to ask you something. I need to ask you something great. But I need to tell you a story first. The setting was our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. The year was 1860, 160 years ago. 
when it happened. Our nation had been plunged and was plunging into a great civil war. One of life's most inexcusable crimes was being committed. Brothers shedding each other's blood, but fighting for a cause that was huge, that was great. The church was located on the angular street of New York Avenue. It was a Presbyterian church. The pastor's name was Phineas Densmore Gurley. Chaplain of the U.S. Senate in 1859, Pastor Gurley ministered in his Scotch Presbyterian mode at the New York Avenue Presbyterian Church. Counselors to the president advised Abraham Lincoln to find a church where the pastor held himself aloof from politics and Lincoln settled upon Pastor Gurley and that church on New York Avenue. It would be Gurley who would counsel the president in dark times when Willie Lincoln, when he died, while president was in office, it was Gurley tried to comfort a near crazed Mary Todd Lincoln preached Willie's funeral. To Gurley's church, Mr. Lincoln would travel, usually with one of his assistants. He would walk the few blocks from the White House, would slip in a side door, go into the pastor's office so he wouldn't disturb uh, everyone by being there. Pastor Gurley would leave the door open to the platform so Mr. Lincoln could see and hear. It was one night after church. Mr. Lincoln walked thoughtfully back to the residence. And his assistant asked the president what he thought of Dr. Gurley's sermon. And the president replied in fragmented phrases. The content was excellent, delivered it with eloquence. He put a lot of work in the message. Then you thought it was a great message, asked his assistant. And the president said, no, no, because Pastor Gurley forgot the most important ingredient in any message. He forgot to ask us to do something great. I would never let a morning devotion go by, and especially not one today. I am asking you to do something so far outside of your comfort zone. Would you stretch yourself into the heavenly realm and do something great? Would you bind together in prayer with us? Those of you who say, Pastor, you're overstating this. This is no big deal. I'm afraid you re- you only reveal how spiritually insensitive you are. This is a big deal. You and I cannot afford to be churches in the valley. We are cities set upon a hill, and our light cannot be hid at such a perilous time. Light We're not afraid of the darkness. We've got to pierce this present darkness. I asked you yesterday to do four things. Pray, that comes first. Vote, your prayer is your, your prayer is your voice in heaven and your vote is your prayer in this nation. Every vote is a spiritual act. You are either tied to the complacency of our age if you don't vote. If you put your party above your faith in your vote, you're tied to the harvest of coming judgment. If you say, well, I don't like the candidate, I don't like the party and that is standing up for the unborn, I, I just think they're a bad person. You, you're entitled to feel that way. But unfortunately, the unborn didn't get a chance to feel that way. They got no chance to take their first breath. They got no chance to grow up and exercise their right to vote. If you can't vote for yourself, why not vote for them? Why not vote for those that came over on the Mayflower and said, we're dreaming of a shining city upon a hill that we can worship freely? Why not vote for them? The third thing is discern, awaken to the times. And the fourth today, I'm telling you, join with us in prayer. In fact, oh, Brother Gurley, I've got too busy of a schedule. Cancel your schedule. 
Take a day off. Find a place with God. Call on the name of the Lord and pray. Pray. Not just yet, God. A little more time. We need that window open just a little longer. A space of grace, Lord. A space of grace in this hour and in this time. I'm asking you, I'm asking you while this is here, share it as quickly as you can. I don't know how long this word will stay up online, but share it. I'm willing to take the risk because I believe in America and I believe in the freedom of worship. And I've seen the good that can come out of this. May God bless you. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for sharing in this day. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.